0: Hello, this is Craig Brown and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used in churches for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that passages will shine a unique light on text used in the lectionary in the coming weeks. Today's passage is Acts chapter 9 verses 36 to 43. It happens to be the reading for the fourth Sunday of Easter in the year C cycle of the lectionary. It's one of the scripture readings for May 8th, 2022. I want to begin this week's episode by placing this story in a little bit of context in that I don't often spend a lot of time talking about the larger kind of biblical narratives that surround stories like this, but in the case of this particular story, at the end of Acts chapter 9, it becomes very important. This story connects with the story of Jesus raising a young girl, Talitha, In Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8, you know uh, Talitha as Jairus' daughter, if you're familiar with those stories. And this story in Acts chapter 9 is also consistent with the story about the prophet Elijah when he raised the son of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, verses 17 to 23, or it's very similar to the story of Elisha when he raised the son of the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Throughout the body of Scripture, in 1 Kings, Second Kings, and then in two of the Gospels, and here in Acts, there are these four episodes of people who are raised from the dead, if you will. And these stories are all tied together in some literary form or in a narrative form. Uh, so both of these stories, for example, of Elijah and Elisha, uh, they're framed around Gentile households. These are individuals that are kind of marginally close to the, the Israelite community, but not truly a part of it. And in the same way, the raising of Jairus' daughter is, again, a... Uh, uh, Jesus acting at the margins, at the very boundaries of Jewish community and what it means to be that community. You see, these great acts of resurrection, all four of them, are kind of told at the margins. They're told at the edges. These are not about people who are in the the heart of Jewish life. These are not people who are significant leaders of Jewish communities or even Roman communities, for that matter. These are people somewhat at the margins of society, at the very edges. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus suffers from the accusation in his own hometown of Nazareth that, um, for example, that he does greater acts or greater miracles for other people than for those in his own hometown. And and so what I'm suggesting here is that throughout Scripture, we kind of see this movement of God somehow at the edges or at the margins. And in this case, in Acts chapter 9, we have no reason to think that this particular woman, uh, Tabitha, or Dorcas, her Greek name, that she was not Jewish, she probably was, but it happens at the margins, it happens at the edges of community with, in this case, a uh, women and the gathering of widows, and, and what's happening in this context is, is rich. And this story in Acts functions as a little bit of a bridge to those margins, if you will. Peter, according to the story, is in a nearby town called Lida, which is about 13 miles away. It's about a three-hour walk for Peter to get to Joppa, where he's been summoned. So he comes to Joppa, which is today called Jaffa. He arrives, and uh, he goes about uh, this story and ends up staying in the city of Joppa after it's over. Now, Joppa is such an important place in the Bible You may remember that Joppa is the place that Jonah, the prophet, was in when he decided to run away from God's call to go preach the gospel to the Ninevites, or the Gentiles, and instead he took a boat to sea at Joppa, uh, where he was, of course, as you know, the story swallowed by a great fish. You see, this story in Acts chapter 9 kind of bridges the significant events of Acts chapter 10, which is the next chapter. And where Peter is then going to be summoned to go north up the coast to Caesarea. And it's there that he will preach the gospel to the first time to a true Gentile, Cornelius the Centurion. You see, Acts is building a kind of a natural progression of the gospel's message beyond Jerusalem. Uh, Even where this text ends in Acts chapter 9 tells us that Peter stays with a man named Simon the Tanner who lives in Joppa. Tanning hides was considered to be kind of a a shady operation in the first century. Uh, The reason why those who would tan hides were at a seaport is that uh, in the ancient world you would use seawater in order to go about the tanning of hides that could be used for a variety of different purposes. These individuals who were tanners worked with animals and blood, and they were regarded as kind of marginally unclean people by some of the religious rules of the day within Judaism. And, and so what the story is kind of leaning into is that that God is doing something new and different and fresh, and the story of the raising of Tabitha or Dortha, Dor- Dorcas from the dead stands in line with all of these other stories that we read in the Bible about Uh, This kind of amazing work of God happening at the margin. And that really opens a key passageway for us here. That God's work is ever-evolving in its consistency. You see, the story here echoes others in Scripture. So while the story is new in this setting, this is actually a familiar story that's been told not only in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, It's also a similar story. There's a similar story in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. The raising of Tabitha from the dead is surprising, but yet it should not surprise. The actions are consistently the same, whether it's the son of the widow and Zarephath, whether it's Jairus' daughter, whether it's the son of the Shunammite woman, the raising of Tabitha is surprising and that it's a resurrection from the dead but it shouldn't surprise us the actions are exactly the same but it's the setting and the scope of those actions that do change and that's what acts is telling us in some way and we we really have to pay attention to this emerging arc of the story in the book of acts we often as as faithful and religious and christian people Focus on the boundaries and the rules for God's action. Who's in, who's out, who's approved, who's not, who's affirmed, who's not affirmed. But what we see in Scripture is that those boundaries are time and again broken by this ever-evolving narrative of God's grace. So the question we might ask ourselves is how do we train our awareness of God's work to see it Always the same, but somehow ever-changing. We turn now to the actual raising of Tabitha from the, the dead. Her name is Tabitha, which is Aramaic. Its Greek version is Dorcas. So in the world in which Peter is circulating at this point, which is primarily in Judea and some other regions nearby... Most of the people speak on a regular basis Aramaic. And Greek is the language that the New Testament is written in. That's the language of the larger Roman world. So imagine a spoken language of Aramaic and a written language of Greek. And so Luke is trying to bridge that gap when he writes the book of Acts. So oftentimes he'll try to do a little bit of help as he's talking about a particular story or describing an event. He tries to help the Greek readers of his story understand what in the world Tabitha means. Well, its Greek version is Dorcas. Um, it's analogous to uh, the word for gazelle. Is its basic meaning? It tells us in verse thirty-six that she is a disciple, and that she's dedicated herself to serving widows. Now, I want you to take note of the text here carefully. It doesn't say she herself was a widow. It simply says that she was a disciple, and she was working amongst widows. Now, a note about widows in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament. Other than the diseased, women, and especially widows, were the most marginalized, especially in this case when a widow doesn't have any male covering over her, doesn't have a husband, doesn't have a father. And so without a male covering in this patriarchal world, women were kind of impoverished. They were afflicted. They were often poor. And so they were desperately in need of being in some kind of community of care together. And so the early Christians, we read about the book of Acts several times, that they deliberately gathered groups of widows together so that they could care for them because they lived kind of at the edge of society. Again, note that Tabitha is not a widow, but she served them. So somehow in Joppa, she's part of a community that is serving widows and that this is the, the work of the church in terms of its, its capacity for justice making as it's serving this community of women who have lost their husbands, who have no male covering, have no way to earn a living, if you will, that they're somewhat reliant on those around them helping them. It tells us that this woman, Tabitha, died, and her body was set in an upper room. Now, burials usually happened in the ancient world the same day, and if not the same day, no later than the next day. And so this story is a little unusual that she's she's died. They've washed her body, and they've placed her in an upper room. It may be indicative of the fact, or may indicate the fact that they believed by summoning Peter that her fate would change. It may actually be an act of faith on the part of the widows to place her here to await Peter's arrival. All we can note here is that it's just a bit unusual that they take that kind of step. Peter comes and almost exactly mirrors the story of Jesus' raising of Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5. He comes into the room, he has everybody leave, he prays, and he speaks two words in Aramaic. And in this case, it's tabitha kumi, which means tabitha, get up. It's very, very similar to the words that Jesus used when he raised Jairus' daughter. He said talitha kumi, just one letter different. And so Luke kind of goes to great lengths to make this story in its writing sound almost identical to the story of Jesus and the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. When Peter speaks these words, he turns and she sits up. And after she sits up, he helps her to get up and then he presents her to everyone. Now note that the news about this spread all over the region. So when Peter presented tabitha to the widows and to the community that was there in joppa word got out of what had happened and so peter stays in joppa so that the gospel might be preached he he kind of builds off of this mighty act of god so that people can hear the message of the gospel about what has happened in this place and it tells us in acts chapter 9 that this isn't a short stay but it's a long one and peter came and began part of uh, begin sharing in a ministry of caring for the community there this opens up uh, the last key passageway for us for this episode that it's this that the act of God does not require explaining but proclamation you know so often the temptation for us when we read a story like this or other stories is try to explain the story somehow to paint it with all sorts of different meanings and nuances. And while at times that can be helpful, it's hard sometimes to understand when we read a biblical text what the actions mean or its intent. Sometimes the action in the story is just the action in the story. And it's, this is a story that is very similar to the three other stories in the Bible just like it. None of those stories contain an explanation. None of those stories have any sense of unpacking the meaning of what's gone on there. Matter of fact, in all of these stories, we don't read anything about any kind of specific explanation that comes, at least verbally, after the episodes are over. You see, the raising of the dead is no casual affair. I think we'd all have to admit that. And that's all the more why this is a story that must be proclaimed. Proclaiming a story means repeating the story, talking about this story's significance for us. See, what happens in the story isn't just resurrection. It's the restoration of community. Remember, this community of widows has already demonstrated to Peter how dependent they are on Tabitha for the work she has done in their midst. So in some ways, the raising of Tabitha from the dead is a restoration of community. The widows have back now the one who has served them. It's an act of provision for all. What it means is clear enough that the resurrection power of Jesus is alive and well and at work in the life of the church. Now, what we do with that story and its meaning, that's a different subject altogether for us to begin thinking about and pondering. Sometimes stories just need to be told. And we actually, by thinking in our own heart and mind that we're helping the story, we may actually be getting in the way of the story and how God is speaking and working through it in the hearts and lives of other people. That's it for this week. If you have any comments or reflections, I invite you to go to my website, revcraig.com. Click on news in the upper right corner and then click on the drop down menu where you see podcasts. Then you can click on a particular episode and leave a comment. I love to hear from you. So please leave any comments or reflections there. I do want to let you know that passages this podcast will be taking a pause after the end of May. And so look for some news on my website about when it will resume. There are still three episodes still ahead through the month of May. I hope you'll tune in and listen to each one of those as you think and reflect and pray about the scriptures that you're going to hear preached in church over the coming weeks. For now, I bid you all grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.